0: of a story in the podcast chronicling one grad student's quest to finish his dissertation and get a job. And here I am at uh, a very crowded and noisy uh, uh, dining room um, at the Pacific Coast Branch American Historical Association 2018 conference with Professor Amy Freud. Freud spelt like a cold Frenchman, not like an inquisitive German. Um, and we're here today to talk about a paper that she presented uh, at this conference about stockbroking women. And so this was really interesting to me, Amy, because I I think that I know eighteenth century London. like I, 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 when I was in London in the twenty first century, I felt really lonely and I comforted myself by saying that I knew what eighteenth century London was like. But for me, I never imagined women in the the, the the financial center of the city of London. And your research says that I'm completely wrong. So please tell us why I'm wrong. Well,
1: Brendan, you're so wrong for so many reasons. <laughs>
0: They know this already, <laughs> but tell us why the
1: reasons. Um, in the first, I mean, actually, but you're right too, because you brought me here today to help you. So, so, yeah. it, it is shocking to us, I think, that we hear this idea that women were stockbrokers 300 years ago. Right? We we yeah. still think of stockbroking as a as a as a male you know, masculine dominated occupation. We know women there's women stockbrokers now, but it's still if you you, it's still you know, if you're gonna do a Hollywood movie, if you're gonna do Wall you know, Wolf Wolf of Wall Street,
0: Street
1: it's it's not Kate Blanchett. it's it's uh it's Leonardo DiCaprio, right? So so I was shocked to find this out. I mean I've always been interested in how did women support themselves how, yeah. I, in the past. So so 300 years ago, how does a woman, whether she's single, whether she's married, yeah. how does she economically maintain herself? And one of the things I, I found out is that women don't just work. They also take the, the capital they have and they invest it, right? Yeah. So, OK, so women were investors 300 years ago. That surprised me. But I didn't know that women invested for other people, that they did the work for them.
0: So, so I mean, this is really interesting for the way that I've been looking at the history of capital uh, uh, from the 18th century. Because I've always told myself the story that women were locked out of these important roles of, of actually managing finances. Um, that, that, that you know, when we tell the story of the 19th century, women were not able to manage their own uh, money. Um, legally, married women couldn't own uh, uh, property, property. Um, but let's 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 talk more about about what these female stockbrokers actually did on a day-to-day so, basis.
1: So the first thing I would say is that women in the the seventeenth century and the eighteenth century are not the same as women in the nineteenth century. Yes. That they, they actually had more opportunities. Those opportunities actually lessened in in the Victorian period. So that's one thing we should be aware of. Yeah. Um, and second, that history is not just a straight. It's, history is not a linear, wiggish line, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's much more cyclical. It's much more ebbs and flows, right? Yeah. And we know that. And this is, I think, a great example of that. So, in in the the late years of the the 1600s, the 1690s, we have what's called the financial revolution, which occurs in Britain.
0: And, and that starts to remind us with a God, William, of Orange, with William of Orange needing money to uh,
1: fight wars against Louis the Fourteenth, right? Because
0: his his navy got trounced. And they needed millions and millions they of pounds. Ca- it's oh, a lot of money to
1: wage these wars, right? Yeah. And you can't do it by scraping together coins from a few dozen merchants every time you know you turn around and need a new ship or, yeah. or more men. So they needed something more stable. So they realized they needed a fiscal... Uh, structure to be able yeah. to sustain these these large scale operations that that William of Orange was interested in. So he establishes a national debt. He he gives his his thanks and and promises to uh, a national bank of England, and then uh, the trading of joint stock companies, which already existed before mm-hmm. William got there, really gets going. Public trading.
0: So let just just let let's just drill into that. Just because I think there's why. I hear national debt. I think it's bad. Why would merchants want national debt? Like, what's good for them to... Like, I think, like, you lend the government money, they take it from you and run away. What's good for them about that? So
1: the national debt that was established, that's a great question, you know, um, in in the the 17th century, was basically people loaning money to the government, and they got a rate of return that was better than what they would have got off of other investments. It was considered pretty secure because yeah. parliament was saying that they were gonna put aside certain monies to to pay it. Um, and you also felt like you were doing your civic duty yeah, but there was a monetary uh, reward for you at the end of that and
0: it was pretty steep like like I in the early years of the Bank of England it had a really high interest rate well, right like seven eight percent yeah years? Bank
1: of England we're talking you know eight percent was pretty common government debt six to eight percent um you know sometimes in these companies you could get up to ten twelve percent those That's those rates look good to us That's today insane. right yeah. we're talking two yeah. percent on a CD yeah. right yeah. so so, so, <laughs> so
0: what's happening is that, that that William of Orange needs a ton of money and he says the par- parliament says look here's all these taxes that will pay the interest on this ton of money and all the merchants in london are basically paying money to get a share of those taxes for perpetual, for like X number of
1: years. for X number of years, exactly, okay.
0: and that generates a pickup in the trading of other kinds of companies, from which you can also get. So, 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 if I have just a chunk of money, like like ten pounds or hundred pounds in my pocket, I can go to a shady person on Exchange Alley and pick <laughs> up a stock receipt. So, what's what's better? Should we talk about the the, the women stockbrokers, or should we talk about the actual? Process of getting. process of getting that money. So, just- so I've, I, I want to get bank of england stock how yeah.
1: do i get that yeah you're a guy you're brendan yeah. you've got a little bit of money yes. you've got 10 pounds you're a uh a, a mm-hmm. london craftsman mm-hmm. uh you made a weather uh, glass maker, a, a glass maker. Yeah. and you say you know i'm yeah. gonna take this money i'm gonna invest oh, yeah. it in this national debt or i'm yeah. gonna invest it in the bank of england yeah. so you actually have to go to a location yeah and invest it personally, or you go to a coffee house, an 18th century Starbucks, and you find a guy or a girl, which I'm gonna tell you, that will do it for you, who will trade the stock for you, who will invest for you and get your money down and get your name down and then collect your returns and your dividends, right?
0: So what do I get when I buy buy this? I take my 10 pounds and I, what do I get?
1: You get a piece of paper. Right? You know, you get a piece of script that says, I owe this much, or I, I own, not yeah. owe, this much in this venture. The Bank yeah. of England, a government loan, yeah. a lottery ticket, the East India Company. Uh, okay, okay. How do yeah. I? How does that
0: give me money for the ale that I want to drink because I'm 18th century Brendan?
1: That is a great question for 18th century Brendan. Liquidity is what you're asking yes. about in two yes. different ways, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> you know? How do I get the liquidity? <laughs> to get my, to get my liquid, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think what you, you want is you you want that Bank of England stock. You want the state lottery ticket because it is equally saleable as much as it is purchasable in the trading atmosphere of Exchange Alley. So, so you could literally turn around a minute later and yeah. sell that piece of paper to somebody else. Okay. Some other room, right? Yeah. yeah. In the room. And then go drink away your profits. Great. Yeah.
0: Great. And 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 just, just for the sake of just telling us the, the full story, how do I collect my my rate of return, how do I get my, my dividends?
1: So that comes a little more you have to wait a little more long term for that. Yeah. They're, quarterly. They're quarterly. So every three months, you know, January, March, April, June, October. O-
0: on these particular On these particular holidays, days. Christmas, and actually Michael in in, in
1: the newspapers, yeah. they'll tell you what day yeah. that that company uh, or the government is going to distribute dividends. You can go yourself, Brendan. Yeah. Or if you've had imbibed so much at the local inn, you could send Probably. Your agent.
0: Yes. Okay. And then, and then I go to this window at like uh, uh, the Bank of England. I show my piece of paper you show and they your piece give of paper. me my dividends. So let's talk about these agents, because in my in the view of this that I've told for as long as I've known British history, this has all been a masculine story. That's right. Uh, the coffee right? house. I I have argued vociferously that it's an all male <laughs> preserve. I've said no, like. Look, women serve coffee at the coffee houses, they own coffee houses, but the actual people doing the coffee house things in the coffee houses are not women and you just blew my mind and told me that I'm completely wrong. So tell us about these female stockbrokers.
1: So, Brendan once again is wrong. It's wrong, yes. And, you know, you don't learn. I'm going to rename the podcast. It's going to be Brendan Brendan once once again again is is wrong. wrong. Um, But if you don't learn from your mistakes, right, you don't grow (laughs) as a person. So, no, no, I mean, all of us thought that. All of us thought these were masculinized spaces, right? That's The writers of the time told us that. But you start looking at records. You start looking at, at letters and at accounts And you realize that women are actually entering these various financial locations. They're entering financial space and they are enacting financial business. And I find this as far back as the 1680s. Wow. Some, some historians are finding it even earlier, even back to the 1660s. So we're now realizing that these were perhaps masculine dominated spaces, but they weren't masculine only. There was no law, no rule, no custom that a woman could not enter a court. Uh, excuse me, a coffee house and buy or sell a stock or a, a share, a, a security. Um, so so we now know that women were conducting business in these spaces um, I found instances of brothers sending their sisters into coffee houses to conduct business and so
0: what sort of financial services were they providing was this just acting as an agent like I tell you to do something or were they were they doing more complicated or sophisticated financial? Uh, 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 activities.
1: I think a lot of it was financial errand running. They yeah. were responding to the go the to the window
0: and pick up my dividend. demands yeah. of
1: their clients. Yeah. That's right. And and again, a lot of their clients were of highly uh, you know, elevated status. We're talking peers. We're talking landowners who didn't want to do that kind of business themselves. Yeah. On the other hand, we have examples of women who also give financial advice and are instructing in some ways this, the people they work for. So they They weren't entirely lackeys. They weren't entirely menials. They also were people like today, stockbrokers giving advice to their clients.
0: Wow. Wow. So. I, one question is why does this remain obscure for so long or, 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 yeah
1: why? yeah yeah well that you know it's it's odd that's always my question every time I write a book every time I work on a project I think it's all there why yeah. haven't we seen this before has more to do with our own myopia right that, yeah. than than actually anything else we assumed that men were doing this and I mean, so we, we assumed I mean. we would only find men it takes somebody who's looking for something slightly different in these yeah. records to to actually find them
0: I, I've noticed this in my own work. We yeah. assume I do clubs and societies. We assume the clubs are only male, male? and so I don't pay attention to the list of names. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I scan them and I find a woman yeah. in places where they should. Turn they, up. Sh-
1: they shouldn't be. They, they say. shouldn't be. And there. then we have to question ourselves. Well, if just because they shouldn't be there, does that mean they really weren't there? So if you scan a subscriber list for a company like the East India Company, you're going to find that between. of the names are actually female. Wow. And that's discounting the Francis's and the Christians who, yeah, you know, are kind of be. gender neutral. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So let me play devil's advocate
0: here. So, so, so these female, fra- yeah, there's women working in the financial services industry, but it's burgeoning. Are they doing the same things as male financial brokers or are the male, are the female owners of capital doing the same things as the male
1: owners so, of capital? It's a great question. I mean, I when I set out to, to research this, my first supposition was, well, they might do things. Like slightly different from the men of their classes, but then I started to slowly recognize that actually there was a lot of similarity between what the men and women of a particular class would invest in, how much they would invest. There is this assumption that women are more risk averse, right? and that women are cautious in their investing. That is true to some extent. You know, I have to say, for the most part, the women I looked at were pretty successful. Yeah. You know, just like today, right? <laughs> but, should, well, I'm we uh, talking
0: about a time period in which there was an incredibly <laughs> drastic financial panic in which everybody lost, you know, even the king lost money. On, yeah, yeah,
1: And yeah. And, and you know, so, so women risk money, they lose money, but they, they do seem overall, and I'm not the only person to say this there's there's economic historians they do seem overall to do a little bit better yeah on the other hand what I saw was women were certainly engaging in risky behaviors too yeah. they would trade they would speculate so we have this woman that I I found Martha Hutchins. she's you know kind of an average mercantile wife in, in London in the 17 teens and she's buying and selling on a weekly if not a daily basis collecting profit in yeah. South Sea stock that's what we call speculating yeah. and that's what she's doing
0: yeah no just to look like like to, to to talk about my link this to my own research a little bit something i've noticed with clubs and societies is that um almost universally when you get a group of people together and they get their club they get their box to a big enough amount a couple pounds 10 pounds 20 pounds they start investing it not necessarily in government bonds they'll lend it out They'll lend it out to people in the community, which is also an act of charity, or they'll give it to a bank. But I think that there's a kind of subterranean financial uh, 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 literacy amongst a lot of people that we don't assume have it all throughout the 18th century. That that this is is revealing. There's a lot, that, that it's not just wealthy tradesmen who are the spearhead of the financial revolution, but shoeshiners, and women, and like every, you know.
1: This was a pretty popular movement, yeah. you know. Um, one of what I call the gateway investment opportunities yeah. for people the 1690s on was the state lottery, yeah. and um, this was a venture where you, it's very different from our lottery today. Uh, yeah, because people bought and sold lottery tickets. You bought and sold lottery, and sold tickets. lottery tickets. They were yeah. actually worth something. So you'd invest in a lottery ticket, but what it really was, and there's my phone, is um, a government bond. A yeah. short-term you government just answered bond. The phone. Oh, and... Uh, <laughs> And, this is a um, real conference, guys. This is the drama. This is the drama of an academic conference. Yeah, my my glass is empty. The crab cakes are gone. So, uh, you know, people invest in these lottery tickets because they essentially get their money back eventually with a sixteen percent interest rate. That's a insane. Sixteen percent rate of return, and the possibility of winning a prize. Wow. So today you do it just for the prize. In the then- past. They actually did it for um, for the the investment, and the prize was on top. Now, the people who invest in these lottery tickets often club their money together. Yeah, you well, taught me that's the meaning of club, right? Yeah, when a lot so, of, even
0: even yeah. up into the 19th century, one of the yeah. things that they, that these people invest in, from the lowest of the low to the highest and the highest, lottery tickets. Really? Oh, yeah. So this just continued. Even up into the 1820s. Let's oh, just continued. and oh, then, yeah. And
1: then the lottery is actually suspended, the state lottery, yes. not the private one. Yes, yes. So... So, what I found is you'd get these groups of women, many of them servants, many of them tradeswomen.
0: And they they clubbed together
1: the 10 pounds for the lottery ticket. You know, they'd each put in a pound, 20 shillings. Which is Um, a lot of money. Which is a lot of money. It was probably actually about a quarter of their yearly income. Yeah and they but if you're a servant you know you get your board and your your uh room and board paid for you so you can actually invest a little bit and
0: servants wages are not we we imagine wages is fairly regular but servants wages are often often really like 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 punctuated you might get the majority of your years liquid capital on once, Christmas right? because yeah. of like various like tips and yeah. box monies and stuff Vales, like that.
1: Fails, I think it was called. Or something. Vales yeah, or you got perks. Or, or, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And you would often get just paid once a year by your employer and then no. you're, what are you going to do with that sum of money that, you know, when well, you might invest it, you right? Invest it. And so um, you actually don't need that much to access the stock market. It's, yeah. it's actually more open than it is today until E-Trade. Well, E-Trade became like the 18th century market. Let's just, so here's a question. What were people
0: doing? Why were people saving up money? like because you imagine you imagine a servant in the 18th century you imagine a servant in urban 18th century britain (laughs) so why would a servant in 18th century england who i i just imagine is living hand to mouth -mouth, why would they invest
1: that's actually ironically servants are one of the number one investors from the middle age from the middle ages on because they get um wages they get money in cash. And what do you do with cash? There's nothing to do with it except invest it. So often- Right, because it's alert, a credit economy. It's a credit economy, right? Um, yeah. You're not gonna put it, there, there's actually no banks to put it in until the 1660s. And you don't want 60s. it stolen. They don't want it stolen. So the best thing you could do with your money is invest it and then somebody's actually gonna give you a little bit more money. Because usury. you know, we also have this idea that usury, the idea of charging of interest is not acceptable. Um, it's acceptable. Well, servant, early on, why would a servant want to save money? Well, because they want to set themselves up in life later. They want to get married. They oh. want to uh, rent a lodging. Oh. So, you know, early modern England is a society where people move out and start their own okay. households when okay. they get married. And so they're going to need that money eventually. Uh, you know, so when oh, we so talk the servants about, don't
0: stay servants, they're coming there and yeah, working just as part, well, and they're yeah. sa- they're using this to save up part of their money and then they're gonna cash out, cash out. and go back home yeah. and set up a family. Okay. Set up a
1: family, you know, set up a household. And, you know, we talk a lot about dowries and we associate them with rich people and princesses and stuff like that. Well, your average woman, she was bringing a dowry to the marriage, and the dowry was her wages that she had invested and saved up. So the same was true for the man, too. So what you want, you know, you want to marry someone who is savvy enough. To invest in you know either a personal loan or the stock market or maybe you bought a sheep you know. <laughs> so 18th century uh, <laughs> Brendan's spending
0: all of his wages at the and, alehouse. And he's
1: his his marital stock is plummeting. Plummeting God. It's plummeting like crazy. So like, so, yeah. so <laughs> professor, what,
0: what what's the big what's 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 at stake here? What's the big takeaway for 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 people who are not necessarily interested in the 18th century yeah. financial and, and, revolution? And
1: I don't know why you wouldn't be, but but I mean, but, uh, but Brendan, I think you've already figured it out, right? Is that your average person is actually more financially literate, yeah. more financially savvy yeah. than frankly people are today.
0: And that's what I get from my research yeah. is that, uh-huh. that that we have this Whiggish idea that, that, that we now live in the most free, intelligent, intelligent well-knowledgeable yeah, well, well knowledgeable. time on earth, but the things that people could do in the 18th century is a matter of course. Start businesses, invest their money, make accounts. Build stuff. They actually had a knack for, for 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 lots of the things we consider as putatively modern that yeah. we do not have.
1: And and a lot of the things that we kind of you know hire somebody else to do for they us, do right? It People would often do. And I think getting back to these women brokers yeah. and these women investors. That's why they did it. They knew how to do it. They They were trained from a young age to know their numbers. They were trained to be able to write up accounts. There's this pamphlet that circulated in the 1680s in London called Advice to the Women and Maidens of London. And it was an advertisement for girls need to get taught accounting, you know, how to keep account books. And if they do it on a small level, you know, for their family, then they can do it on a larger level for a business, right? So
0: this seems just... Even today we have a gender bias to think of financial literacy as completely male. And this is yet another way that we can see that this is historically
1: constructed. We've created this idea, right? I like to tell my students all the time that women were active in STEM 300 years ago. There's nothing new about women having financial knowledge, having uh, mathematical ability. That we've forgotten that, right? Yeah. That 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 maybe that receded in the 19th century, but actually women were were considered sometimes more competent at these things than men.
0: I think that's a great place to end. There's nothing new. There's, Under a, there's, the sun. there's nothing new in history. Uh, uh, we've always gotten it wrong. Um, thank you very very much, uh, Professor Freud. Uh, I hope this has been fun. Um, thank you to Jonathan Lear who made. The music and to Duncan Barton who made the art. And thank you very much again to Professor Amy Freud. Do you have a book that people can buy? Sure, sure. If there so, are people listening? so
1: if there's the two of you that are listening out there, my fans, uh, you can take a look at Amy Freud's silent partners, women investors and in Britain's Financial Revolution. Oxford University Press published it in two thousand seventeen. It's kind of pricey, but you can get uh copies on Amazon. Ask
0: your library. <laughs> Ask your library Yeah, get your library to carry it's it your
1: local library will be happy to get it for you so thanks brendan that was (laughs) awesome